0: Hey, theater people, Patrick here. Just a quick hello and welcome to anyone who may be new to the podcast. And a reminder to check out our website where you can find all of our episodes, including conversations with Lynn manuel Miranda, Laura Benanti, Laura Osnes, Leslie Margarita, Lindsay Mendez, Lashans, Michael Cerferis, and so many more. We're at www.theaterpeople.com. That's theater with an E-R-P-P-L dot com. Okay, now to the show. Hello, fellow theater people. Welcome to the Theater People Podcast. I'm Patrick Hines, your host. so excited to bring you this mini Catching Up episode with our friend Annalie Ashford. For those of you who've been with us from the beginning, you'll remember that Lee was the third guest of the Theatre People podcast way back when we had no idea what we were doing. At the time, Lee was starring as Lauren in the Tony-winning Best Musical Kinky Boots, and she had also received a Tony nomination for her work. Since then, she has won a Tony Award for her work in last year's You Can't Take It With You. She has also earned rave reviews for her work on the Showtime series Masters of Sex, and she just released her first live album, Lost in the Stars, which is a collaboration with her good friend and musical director, Will Van Dyke. She's currently starring alongside Matthew Broderick and Julie White in the Broadway revival of Sylvia. We caught up with her in her dressing room on a recent Saturday between shows. We are obsessed with her. Here's our conversation. Um, Haley Ashford! Hi! Welcome back to the Theater People Podcast. I'm
1: so happy to be back. Yay! We have to
0: talk about, well, a couple things. Number one, your dressing room is so amazing. When you, um, when you leave tonight, I'm gonna steal your couch and your booze.
1: Um, you're more than welcome to. I often pinch myself. I can't believe that I have my own dressing room. It's so crazy. (laughs) Um, and occasionally when I'm, Sitting, having a nice pee on the toilet, I remind myself that Denzel Washington, Larry David, and I think Ian McKellen, a myriad of magical stars have also peed where I'm peeing.
0: (laughs) I love it when you know the history of a dressing room. That's the best. I love that.
1: It's super cool. I, you know, I'm working with some fancy people right now, yeah. and they all chose to take their own floors up above me, which is kind <laughs> of amazing. So I got the magical dressing room off the stage. It's great. And we're so, we're having a ball over here.
0: Yeah. So, Sylvia, congratulations. Thanks. Thanks.
1: We're having a great time. We're, we just opened, and we're gearing up for a, for a magical doggy holiday season.
0: Uh, um, so, okay. So you play a dog.
1: Yes, I do. I play I play Sylvia the dog. I play a, um, a lost and abandoned Labradoodle who uh, was found by Greg, played by Matthew Broderick in Central Park. Um, and he brings me home and uh, isn't planning on keeping me, but we fall in love. Oh. So he keeps me. And chaos ensues with him and his sweet wife, played play by the brilliant... Um, Julie White, and uh, Robbie Sella does a tour de force performance playing three different roles. He's just outrageously brilliant in the play.
0: <laughs> How did this role come to you? Did you Was there like a lengthy audition process, or did they offer it to you after your Tony win?
1: My gosh, you know, um, I was approached by our wonderful magical producers um, in... In the early spring, really early spring, um, so I'd kind of known it was coming for a while, so I've been doing research for, like, ever. (laughs) Wow.
0: So you didn't audition at all? They just offered it to you?
1: I mean, I'm embarrassed to say that, but it was a crazy thing. It'll never happen again.
0: (laughs) I mean, on that front, can we talk about the Tony
1: Oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. It's in our um it's in our uh bookcase at home and it's next to a St. Louis Cardinals bobblehead and um I found this really weird mounted felt unicorn head, and I felt like it should be right next to the Tony Awards, so it is. Because it's magic. They they both shoot rainbows out their butts, Tony Awards and unicorns.
0: Do you remember the night of the Tony Awards very well?
1: Oh my God, the Tonys are totally overwhelming. The whole thing feels kind of like a dream that I had that nobody knows about, but everybody knows about it. So, um, it was totally overwhelming, and you know, I think it's kind of... Um, what the entire evening represented for me was uh, just all of the love and support that I've had, not just from my incredible family for my whole life, but all of these beautiful friends and all of these um, fellow actors that, that you know, shared this childhood dream with you your entire life and then it came true. It was just like completely overwhelming. So it represents, um, It's I think it's a representation of love in my life, yeah. which is kind of outrageous.
0: And the American Theater Wings Tony goes to Annalie Ashford. You can't take it with you.
1: Oh my goodness. Thank you. Oh, I can't believe I'm standing here right now on Radio City Music Hall stage for the worst dancing that ever happened on Broadway. I walked by Tommy Toon, Joel Gray, and Ben Vereen playing a pan flute tonight, and I just I thought I walked past my dance gods, and I did the worst dancing that ever happened. Um, First, I'd like to say it's been such an honor to be in a category with such brilliant, brilliantly talented, beautiful women that I admire and respect. And I want to say that I share this with my cast. The beautifully gifted ensemble of actors who brought Kaufman and Hart's Sycamore family to life every night. You are my family and my friends on stage and off. Thank you for taking care of me and loving me. Thank you so much to my sweet husband, Joe, for holding my hand on the way to places every night. Thank you for holding my hand in my heart. and Thank you for making me a better person. Thank you to Jim Carnahan and sweet Scott Ellis for guiding us and Jeffrey Richards for producing us. And thank you for Beth and Barry and Dan and David and James. Thank you for Craig. Thank you to Nathan for my dance magic and thank you especially to my real family my real sycamore family thank you for being weird and silly and loving me unconditionally thank you to every friend i've ever had every teacher i've ever had and everybody
0: i've ever met thank you so much this is just a beautiful blessing Have a good night. Were you? Be honest. Were you expecting to win?
1: No, I, I never. You never expect to win an award. And if, if you are, then, then I don't know what you're doing. What's <laughs> happening? You need to get it real. You never expect to win. I'm totally overwhelmed by the whole thing. I still. Ugh. I still, it just feels so unbelievable. Yeah. I can't believe it. It's shocking and I'm in shock and awe still. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not even talking very well about it because I'm so overwhelmed. I know.
0: I know. I thought it was really cool that you, I'm trying to remember the order of things. I think you won the Tony and then Lena won the Tony the next year. She, she. Or was it the other way
1: around? The other way around. She was uh 2014. And, um, and yeah, isn't that amazing? So
0: cool. It's such a small world, like, such a small community.
1: Absolutely. You know, and that's also, I think, kind of one of the things that's overwhelming about it when it happens is so many of those people in that audience are people that you not only look up to, but they're, um, you know, your comrades in the land of the theater. Yeah. And, um, so it's just like a. Just overwhelming love.
0: I didn't realize until I re-listened to your speech today that you got to do that play with your husband.
1: Yes, my husband played one of the G-Men. He understudied my who, my husband, Ed, in the play and uh, Tony um, in the play. He was like a great cover for those two guys. So we got to work together for the first time, which we were terrified about. We were like, will we still be married at
0: the end of this <laughs> run? Was that just coincidence?
1: Yeah, and it was um, magical. We had such a great time together and... um he developed such a sweet relationship with James Earl Jones, as did we all. I uh, mean, talk about ugh, the consummate professional. James Earl Jones is what I want to be when I grow yeah, up. Yeah, um, And he really, he really created an environment from the top down that uh, was uh, one of the most magical theatrical experiences I've ever had. I mean, we all wanted to be better because he showed up every day and was his best.
0: Uh. That's amazing. Um, did you and you and Joe ever get to play opposite each other?
1: We did. We did. Um, Will Brill, who was so brilliant as Ed Carmichael, um, had to go to his brother's we- uh, wedding for a weekend. So we got to go on as husband and wife for an entire weekend. So it's like our entire family showed up, was, and there were like 45 people there one night for us. It was like we got married all over again. It was <laughs> exhausting. It was amazing, though. We had such a ball together. So hopefully, we always say we probably won't get to play husband and wife on stage again until we do Who's of. Virginia Woolf. <laughs> in another twenty years, and sometimes if you see us on the train, we may be practicing it <laughs> or just having a
0: fight. <laughs> um, can we talk about your album?
1: Oh my God, my album's coming out uh, November. Thirteenth, it, it drops, as they say. But <laughs> Nobody said that it drops. I'm just saying that because it makes me feel cool. And, um, you know, I've been so overwhelmed by Sylvia that I, I didn't forget that it was ha- happening. I just, we finished recording it so long ago because it's live. I yeah. really wanted, you know, my intention in creating the show in the first place was to really celebrate um, the foundation of Cabaret, which is true storytelling and song married into one. And, I always used uh, Sibling Revelry, uh, the Calvary Sisters club act from the 90s. I I think it must have been in the late 90s. And then also Patti LuPone's Les Mouches." Yes. I I mean, that's one of the best of all time. So I always used that as kind of a model. And so when we thought about doing an album, I said, well, if we do one, it has to be live. I know. Don't worry, I'm not singing Everything's Coming Up Roses. Yet. (laughs) Um, My mother was never a stage mother. Thank God. She was actually the opposite um, of a stage mother. She was an elementary school gym teacher at Pfeiffer Elementary School in Denver, Colorado. She still is. Um, She's getting ready for Christmas break. Um, The closest that she ever got to being Mama Rose is when she made me compete in kids cross country and track at the age of six. And I hated it. I hated running. I hated it so bad. I hated it. It was very clear on the first day of practice that I was much more interested in the costume for the race than the actual race itself. <laughs> I insisted on wearing thick, shiny ice skating tights and black Lycra bike shorts. <laughs> My mother, <laughs> well, this is 1992. Christy Gucci had just won the gold. I was inspired shiny ice skating tights are fierce. Let's just get real. I'm wearing them tonight actually. I found them at Capizio on the west side. You can't find them anymore. It was their last pair. Um, so my mom told me that um, thick shiny ice skating tights were not good for running and they were not good for your poon. And I said, Mom... I want my legs to shimmer in the light. Never mind the yeast infection. <laughs> I didn't say that. I was six. I didn't know what a yeast infection was. I actually still don't know what a yeast infection is because I've never had one, knock on wood, right now. Um, after this evening's performance in this ballroom dancing costume that I bought, used on eBay, I may have one tomorrow morning. <laughs> Megan it! Megan washed it! Yeah! Oh, thank God for Megan. Um, so anyways, uh, what happened? Oh, yeah. So the last race that I ever ran was the 400 meter dash. And if you know anything about track and field, you know that the 400 meter dash is like the hardest race of all time. It's basically like a sprint around the entire track. And my mom tried to coach me and I didn't listen to anything she said. And I ran it because that was her like event in high school, and I was like, oh, look it, I can do this. So the gun went off, and I ran as fast as I possibly could, and I was doing okay until I hit like the 200-meter mark, and then I hit a wall. And I started um, crying and hyperventilating and sobbing, and there was an awkward Greek tragedy happening about the 300-meter mark. <laughs> as I turned that last corner, the girls had, you know, finished way before me. And all of a sudden, the crowd started to clap. They were clapping because that's what you do for people when they're painfully last in a race. Like, you clap for them for finishing it. But I didn't know that. I thought they were clapping for me. And my shiny tights. So, like any normal six-year-old child, I waved to them. It's like, we were in this together, finishing this race. It It was very confusing. My mother waited for me at the finish line with the Gatorade and a smile. And I said, Mom, can I please just sing the national anthem? And she said... It's Surprisingly, time. it's really hard to make a live album these days.
0: Did you okay? So it's Lost in the Stars. It was I saw it when you did it at Fifty Four Below forever ago. Was that? Did you just record it one time, or because I know you you traveled with that show a lot? We
1: traveled it with the with this last year. We did um, quite a few concerts at the in the Christmas season of two thousand fourteen, um, and we recorded those uh those shows there were a few songs that we realized when we went out of town that we wanted to add on to the album just because the there was some holiday stuff and it just we could have left it but it didn't make as much sense so we went back with another audience and recorded a few of those songs so it's a compilation of like two shows um kind of the best of both shows but it's really it's it's imperfect And, um, and I think that is perfect.
0: Yeah. How did you pick the songs that you were, like, so on the album it's everything from, like, Alanis Morissette to Donna Summer to, um, to, like, Judy at Carnegie Hall, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. You know, in true cabaret, uh, fashion, I wanted the stories to come, come organically through, um, through lyric and, uh... Life experience and you know comedy and and all of those combined together. So that really kind of dictated some of my song choices. Um, and I always pick a lyric before I pick a melody. You know, there mm-hmm. were a couple songs that I really liked, and I thought they were oh, this is so beautiful. Oh, or you know, we'll be like, you sound great on this, but then we'd end up not not always picking it because if it didn't support what we wanted to be doing in terms of intention with the text with the lyric then there's kind of no reason and that is i think the foundation of good cabaret yeah <laughs> not to say that i'm like doing good cabaret <laughs> i don't think I, I don't know we always just hope to do our best but yeah but most of all i really wanted it to honor the foundations of classic cabaret
0: um what else is on deck for you
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, we, we're we doing Sylvia until the end of January. Um, I'm going to uh, be the New Year's headliner that's at 54 right, Below. Know, that's, right. that's Yeah, crazy. super exciting. So me and Will are really excited to, to work on some new material. And um, my best friend who also writes a lot of uh, – a lot of my um, jokes and my banter. Uh, Craig Jessup, also known as Breedlove, who yes. who does the makeup at Wicked, he paints himself up a green eight times a week, and also was uh, the opening act for Lady Gaga on her European tour. Oh wow! Yes, he's very special. So, anyways, we've been an old me and, friend of yours, old we, friend. We, we yeah, we talked about this last time. Yeah, and and Gaga go
0: back.
1: And um, Joe uh, Craig is you know one of my best friends forever he's my best friend of my life but I mean Gaga
0: you used to work with Gaga oh
1: like back back in the day Yeah. yeah she was just starting the nightlife scene and our friend Colleen who's known as Lady Stardust was was DJing for her while she played the piano um and and I remember I came back from being on the road and I was like, This girl's amazing. What is happening? And then like a year later she was Lady Gaga. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Well, I knew that was gonna happen. Um so special and brilliant. But anyways, so we it's been fun to work with with Craig and and Will on like some new material. Me and Will are gonna maybe be doing some tap dancing together. We're really excited about that. Fun. So it's cool. It's we're gonna kind of start the next chapter of the of the new club act. I think it's we just – the intention has been so clearly about the art of it and the fun of it um, and the storytelling of it. So I think no matter what we're doing in our prospective careers, we'll always come back to this together. And, you know, hopefully we'll still be doing it when we're 80. That's kind of the
0: goal. <laughs> You're, like, so successful and so young. Like, you, your career has been so – on point like you know you came up in the theater you got like lead roles on broadway then you won a tony award and then you did this great club act and then you were on a hit tv show like do you stress about that like do you feel like you have to do the next the next thing, are are you happy or like what? Like, wh- how do you challenge yourself in your career and stay sane?
1: Well, like what I was talking about uh, before with my club act about the intention. I try to come from a place of intention with every piece of of work that I've had the opportunity to do. I've just really had great fortune and and been so lucky to play such a range of diverse women this mm-hmm. last couple years. Um, and so I, I mean, I'm. The story that I get to tell on Masters of Sex, too, is about, you know, a homosexual woman in the late 50s and, and mid-60s, which is a story that's not often told. Yeah. Um, she's strong. She's so different from anything I ever do on stage, and any she's so different from me in life. So that's also just kind of opened up the opportunity for me to to play uh, other types of women which has been such a gift um but uh, but going back to like your question uh, asking do i worry about what's next instead of worrying about what's next even when i couldn't figure out how to pay the bills i was always kind of worried about how to make sure my intention was staying in the best place Mm -hmm. um you know it's i did a a a benefit honoring Burnett Peters the other day and she got up and talked about her career and um, and she said this amazing thing about creating art she said you know we all come together in this in the theater and, and we all have a different ingredient to add and we never know what sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't but what is most important is is not as if it works or if it doesn't what's most important is that you contribute creatively and you give the art the best you can. Um, so that's kind of, I hope to always stay in that mindset because I think it's the healthiest.
0: Yeah.
1: It's the most peaceful.
0: Yeah. Well, we love you so much and we're so grateful that you make time for us and thank you. And we're so excited for your album and your New Year's Eve show and for Sylvia and for everything that's coming next. Oh, one other thing I wanted to ask you, just a funny coincidence about how. The role in Sylvia was originated by Sarah Jessica Parker, like, in the 90s, and now you're working opposite her husband. Has there been... I mean, have you guys talked about that at all?
1: Oh, my gosh. You know, he's such a lover of the play because they were falling in love when she was doing the play. He um, oh, okay. he had a dog named Sally that she based a lot of her Sylvia off of. So he has such a sweet nostalgia and kind of special spot for for the play, I think. And, and he was exceedingly... I mean uh, respectful of my process while we were in rehearsal and you know he knows the place I want he can remember what they did originally but he would always kind of you know be kind of kind and quiet about about his thoughts on that topic and just was into exploring whatever we found together and she was outrageously generous and kind and wonderful and she came to see the show every time she's just just a doll she's everything you always dreamed she would be and so is he he makes me laugh every day he made me laugh so hard on stage today it's it's totally inappropriate Uh, but it's kind of appropriate in this play we have like an invisible an invisible string attached to us the entire time like it's an invisible invisible i said invisible twice now
0: that's officially how you say the word invisible that's the word
1: it's an invisible leash that's what i was gonna say i kept saying invisible but anyways yeah so it's been wonderful and um the play is such a sweet play. It's so funny and kind and takes a kind of a serious turn at the end. Not serious, but, you know, a, a, a more emotional turn that catches you by surprise because there's lots of laughs. Yeah, yeah. Not from me. (laughs) Mr. Pete Pete Gurney is a funny man, a beautiful playwright. So, anyways, we're having a ball. Come see us.
0: Yay! All right, Anna Lee Ashford, we love you so much. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank
1: you. My pleasure. Yay! We'll do an
0: update again with you, like, every year if you'll have us. I'd
1: love to. I'm down and down. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
0: People is produced by Mike Jensen and me, Patrick Hines. I edited this episode. Special thanks as always to Bradley Bean, Steve Tipton, Keith Allen Herzog, Eric Emsch, Diana Bush Photography, Ellen Marie Marsh, and the staff at Oswald's. We'll be back in two weeks with the amazing Elizabeth Stanley, who is currently headlining the national tour of the Bridges of Madison County. Until then, tell your friends about us. Let's get the theater community talking.